Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 306. This is part eight of eight. This is the end of this run of Best Served Table Side Volume 3. We've been focusing on the hiring process and a lot of those horror stories that we all know too well. Now we're finishing with you've gotten hired. Day one, and it's right into the fire. We've all experienced this. And we're going to talk about it a little bit. And I want to, I want to really under, for have us understand is we put in the effort. I don't think enough effort. A lot of times we found our people, we get them in the door, and then we show ourselves as unprofessional all the time. I've been guilty of this, where it's just like you're so busy, you can't keep up. It's just like, well, let's get you in here, and we'll figure out the rest later. And we're creating a vulnerability, and we're setting an expectation from day one. And then we wonder why it's, we, we struggle to hold ourselves and others accountable because we set that precedent from day one. So it's very important for us to understand that that onboarding and initial training process, it sets the tone. It sets the tone. And so super important. So I want to bring in Sarah Kipps to talk with us a little bit. Sarah, good to see you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right. Give us a little bit of the background, a little trajectory in the industry, kind of how long you've been in and uh, where you've been working. And all of that, and we'll say hi to coworkers. It's all good. It's real life. <laughs> so my name's Sarah Kipps. I've been cooking professionally for about nine and a half years now. I started my culinary career um, working in a fine dining Southern cuisine called Magnolias. And Chef Shanita McGaffey, she's been on some Food Network stuff, and oh. kind of spiraled out from there. Um, country clubs. I worked at Stem for a while. I love Colby and Megan. And Chef Joe West was the chef there when I was there. And worked at the Chasm Plaza, worked in Westport, ran a bar kitchen down there for about three and a half years. Seen, done it all, been thrown through the ringer. It's been a good time. So, yes. Completely understand that trajectory. All right. I want to lay down the scenario as a place to start because I feel like we, we see this all the time. You get hired and they're like, you're going to start on Monday. Why don't you come in like an hour before your shift and we'll fill out all the paperwork and bring your your ID, your social security card, your password, passport, whatever. And then you show up and they say, you know what, we're we're too busy right now. We're going to just have you jump in and we'll get you all your login stuff later and we'll figure it out later. And and you work that shift and they have you shadow somebody. And of course, the person you're shadowing had no idea you were showing up that day and they just flop you in there. And there's this awkwardness, that tension you can feel from day one and you are in that process end of the shift a couple scenarios play out they say you know what that was nuts why don't you just take this paperwork stuff with you bring it back make sure and and scribble down your hours and come back tomorrow and we'll take care of it well you come back tomorrow and the person who is that manager who's taking you through the hiring process oh it's their day off so nobody else knows how to do what needs to get done and you might go two three four i've seen people have to like on payday go, look, I've worked four shifts already. I can see the anxiety because I know you know of what I speak and so many people do. And then we go, 
hey, you need to follow this recipe exactly. And you are not doing your job properly. And we go, you know what? Who the hell is doing their job here properly? Not the person that hired me, not the person that trained me, if I can even call it that. And then we all and then we have done this strange thing, Sarah, where we like turn that into some kind of strength. It's like, oh yeah, I got thrown into the shit and I just figure it out. Battle hard now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm tested. And it's like, okay, I get it. Yes, perhaps in the micro. But what we're doing is we're feeding a culture where that's okay. And then it just becomes the norm. Then it's not an outlier. So Sarah, just the emotions you were just going through, talk me through it a little bit. You've seen that, you've felt it, you've been on either side of the equation. Talk to me a little bit. So I'm going to start with saying right now, I work for a food management company called Thomas Cuisine, and they've got their act together. And going through the years that I've been in this industry with all of those things that you've said, as a chef, that is the last thing that I want to put any of my employees through. Mm. I, I, am, I am very about communication, about employee happiness. When I took the reins as an executive chef, I know what I signed up for, director, manager, all of that stuff. Electrician, coach, therapist, cheerleader. Everything, everything. Fill in, you know, it's like, that's one thing I I feel a lot of people lose is the social and humanity side of it. All of us are humans. And I get that. I mean, I have, you know, employees that have worked for me are single dads and moms. And what do you do when your kid gets sick? I have to go into work because what if they don't pay me or they fire me? How am I going to support my kid? And I'm sitting here like, and that was the thing that I always hated going through the industry where it's like, you know, you had that fear and that fear breeds all these things that we don't want in the kitchen. I don't want that in the kitchen. I don't work in that environment. So my biggest thing that I'm trying to do now after going through all of these things is make that a nothing, just not happening. I want my employees to be happy. I want them to be safe. I want them to understand that if something happens in life, I understand and they can go and take care of it and their job's going to be here and I'll take care of it. Um, you know, as a chef, a manager, all of these things, you've got to be able to shoulder everything yourself. You know, at sometimes you shouldn't have to, you know, and- lonely, Sarah, that is, that is such <clears throat> a hard and lonely place to be. So, uh, I'm interested and I see, I see Ned is, is here with us now. So Ned, I'm going to bring you in just a moment, but I, like the training and onboarding is an mm-hmm. opportunity for us to show who we are, mm-hmm. the level of effort and care that we're going to take for every single employee so that they feel from day one that they are taken care of. And any time that we show that, well, you're hired now, you got the job, and that's what actually matters, and we're now just going to use whatever part of you, your body, your hands, right? We call each other, ourselves body or hands, like we're not even a full person. And then we show ourselves when we say, you know what? My time is better spent elsewhere, not with you. And we wonder why that that perpetuates again and again and again. And it becomes this vicious cycle. And we have to break that cycle. We have to spend every moment of time and effort on the front end because Mm -hmm. that message speaks volumes, not just to the person that Mm -hmm. you're training, the person that's standing next to them, the people that surround them are going, wow, I feel really good that my coworker is going to be on my level 
because mm-hmm. they are getting proper training is, is super, super important. So Sarah, I want to come back to you, but Ned, I want to bring you in and uh, and touch base real quick. Netta, good to see you. Hi. Uh, all right. So, so want to have you give a little bit of background, kind of what's been your trajectory within the industry, kind of how long, kind of what parts of the industry have you worked in, just so we kind of know who we're hearing from. Um, I feel like I'm like most people, you were industry before you decided to make a career out of it. No true. Uh, <laughs> I For was, better or worse, right? Right. Oh my God. Yeah. It's, I, I say I'm, I'm in an abusive relationship with this industry. Um, yeah. But I started hosting at a sushi place in Chicago when I was 19, 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I was in massage school. So this is bartending uh, industry as my second career. Uh, I started barbacking when I was 30 because I knew that I wanted to own. And it was important for me to be able to do all of the jobs that you're gonna ask somebody else to do. So started barbacking at 30. Um, I got my first manager gig 2019. So like bar back to manager in three years, baby. Um, <laughs> you gotta know go. what you now, want. So, so now you're in a position like Sarah where you've you felt a lot of what happens, the, the, the abusive relationship that we put ourselves into in this industry that is mm-hmm. so palpable, so real. For so many of us, we keep going back to it. You know, we look, it gets into right, your blood. We'll even bring other people into it. <laughs> yeah, you and you start to like bring other people into it. That's a really good point. Like, no, it's really, really great. And it is really great. It's the best and the worst things that's ever happened to us in our lives. Absolutely, for people that are that are truly into it. So I want to touch base on that. I want to get a little bit of your thoughts on the experience. I kind of laid down that scenario of, you know, you get hired and then you're supposed to fill out paperwork, but everyone's too busy. So you just jump in on a shift and nobody knows what's going on. And then the next day, the manager is not even working. And then you go a whole week and then you might not even be on the first payroll because you never actually- Who is this person? I know. (laughs) Who is this person? Yes, You're exactly. So, and at the highest level for you, that are like, what does that feel like? Having, I'm sure, been in that scenario, and now you're in management where you you might even find yourself. I've found myself on the other side of that, going, "Damn it, I dropped the ball. I did not deliver for that person, and I need to find a way to like repair the damage I've already caused on day one. I've already caused damage to this relationship. Give us your high level thoughts on it, and then let's." the three of us will find some rabbit holes to go down, but high level thoughts on that, Netta. Um, so my first, and at this stage, because, you know, uh, 2019 or 2020, the pandemic. So uh, I've been on un- unemployment, having a great time, like, like, you know, not having to burn the candle at both ends. I'm not going to lie. Um, but the job that I, I feel like I inherited it because the I, I interviewed for it alongside somebody else and they picked him because he had more experience but he was a garbage person um and a garbage manager so he was there for about four weeks and then they just made the decision they should have made and gave me the job um and when i brought everybody in i'm like you are coming into a house on fire like i am here to put in systems that didn't exist or put in systems that the previous manager just got rid of because he was a salty earth kind of person. Like anything the previous manager did is bad. One of those people. Mm. Um, so it was like four weeks. Like, there was five weeks where there was no manager. So the, the previous, previous manager was working his new job and this one kind of, 
And then they hired the garbage person. So it was basically like 10 weeks of no manager in an open functioning bar. Can you imagine that? Yes, because we've all seen it. Like, like it's 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 so shocking and not surprising at the same time. I think right. Sarah, Sarah and I both are making the life. The cringe face that Sarah and I are both making as we're telling this story is both because we can't believe it and we know it so intimately. And so you're running through the scenario in your head. Like, what would I do when? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. I know of what you speak for sure. You mentioned something that I think is so important. I want to take a moment, tangent. I can't help myself. And then we'll get back on this topic specifically. But you talked about this garbage person, yet they had more experience. This is a massive, massive vulnerability. We need to start hiring for attributes and training for skills and valuing people's attributes. Because what we what we do, I ask this question to people all the time. What do you value most in a coworker, in a boss, in an employee? And it's, and it's values. It's all attributes. It's their teachable, team player good communicator, motivated, punctual attributes. And I go, amazing. What do you base pay raises and promotions on? And it's commoditized skill, commoditized skill. They have to bring the most ROI. They have to be the best on their station. And we wonder why. The most valued person actually, because the dollar does demonstrate value, the highest paid person is the biggest asshole on the team. And we wonder why people don't believe in our culture. That is such a vulnerability. Let's quickly on that. Thoughts, Sarah, I'll come to you first, then head to you, and then we'll get back on training a little bit because I want to bring value to this topic. But what what a uh, deep breath, Sarah. Most of the time that most most of the time that happens is because people who are in management positions don't want to deal with it. And so they don't want to have to come and they don't want to have to cook. They don't want to have to bar back. They don't want to have to do anything because they, they're comfortable with what they've got right now. And they don't want to have to put anything else into it. And I agree. That's something that I never like seeing. And I mean, even like, like here, you know, opening up this brand new property, like I went in and talked to people and I just want to know what their favorite things to cook. And, if, and I'm, this is what they really want to do. And, you know, it's like, and I want to, and I want to, I want that to grow. Like, you know, it's like planting a seed. And depending upon how well you take care of that is going to depend upon the output that the tomato plant or whatever that seed is. So I that's cultivated. really important. For, yeah. Day one. Yes. So, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I feel you. Netta, for you, you what Sarah just mentioned, you, you have to do all the jobs. You want to be in ownership. You need to understand mm-hmm. not just, not just the practical side. You need to have some real fucking empathy. Exactly. For what somebody is going to go through to do this job. And it's also strange how quickly we forget, right? We're so ambitious sometimes. Ooh. You keep ascending, 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 right? When you're a dishwasher, you want to be a cook. When you're a cook, you want to be sous chef. When you're sous chef, 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 owner. When you're owner, you just want to wash some dishes again. Like, please, well, like, I let me chuck some baba beans or, or like clean mint, anything. So the empathy that you need, because that's going to help you with the training side. You need to remember what it took to get where you are and the struggle and meet people where they are. Netta, for you, why is it so important for you to understand every job? I have ADHD, so that's why I raised my hand because otherwise I would just interrupt verbally uh, and I'm trying to work on that. So when I was getting ready to do this job, um, because I went to Camp Runamuck very briefly for people who are not aware, that is actually how Jensen and I know each other. There's a bartender camp, Um, you have to apply, you, if you get accepted, you go down, they take you for a really immersive whiskey education in Kentucky. Um, so I was able to meet people who had started as barbacks, who people who had had family businesses, 
who are on all sides of the industry. So I'm like, when you're looking to hire a first time manager, what are you looking for? Like I talked to six high level managers in different markets. I went in there with a, like a little folder with my resume and all of my little highlights. Like I was like, give me this goddamn job. This is my job. <laughs> I was there to, I was there for so many reasons. But what they told me, which was completely to your point was, I can teach you how to cost out a cocktail. I can teach you how to order. I can't teach you how to be a good person. I can't teach you how to handle, pre like, you know, like there are certain things that make people, like leadership is a, is a quality that is something that I feel like is natural and is also nurtured. And yes. good, like, good leaders are also looking for other good leaders. Yes. So when I was hiring, that was my thing. It was important for me to tell people, you are not coming, you are coming into chaos. Because when you come here, I understand what I'm asking of you. I am asking you to travel here. I am asking you to find childcare. I am asking you to deal with drunk people. I am asking you to not be a drunk person dealing with drunk people, but like also be able to drink. So like, I'm asking you to be an adult in so many different ways that like the first thing I can do is establish open, tr truthful communication and letting you know that I think that this is not together and this is a mess and this is where I'm hoping to go and giving you the opportunity to have buy-in or also told me to go fuck myself was really important to me because as we work together, we're also, I'm a very family vibe, team vibe person. We're going to have to cover each other. It's not oh, <laughs> like everybody. Okay. Um, but it was important for my staff to know that I expect you to be able to communicate at the very least. So that's it. That is that is at the core of all of this. What I recognize as a chef, and this is this has been hard for me as as this show over the last year. You know, we did three hundred and fifteen shows, three hundred nineteen shows over a year span, like massive. Sophie behind the scenes here, Corey, our whole team, Andrew have done an amazing job of allowing me to just communicate. Because what I recognized, and this was a challenge for me as a chef, was like the food does not matter the drink, the whiskey, none of that matters. What matters is that we are pure communicators and we have chosen food, beverage, and hospitality as the way that we are gonna cultivate our community. We're gonna nurture other humans. We are going to express ourselves. The food is just the proof that you are who you say you are. The drink is just the proof that you are who you say you are. And when we think about that, we have to focus on the communication. And we get so chummed up in what we do and how we do it and thinking that that's what defines us and makes us who we are and is what separates us is a vulnerability because otherwise, right? I appreciate you raising your hand. Otherwise, <laughs> we are vulnerable to the fact that you burn out if that's the only thing that you have. The only why that you have is that it just cannot sustain. That's why so many of us burn out. So Sarah, I want to come to you. I, I thought I saw the reflection. I thought for a second, you say, wait a minute, I'm a chef. The food matters. Respect. It better be fire. You better care about it. Yes. Yet, yet we have to get up out of bed in the morning and why we do what we do and who it is we serve and who is we surround ourselves with to me mm -hmm. is what matters. So Sarah, thoughts on that? That is a hundred percent truth. Um, and when we do that, though, I think it's also communicated through the food that we serve. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's just another way that we can speak without actually having to speak. 
Um, and so that's why for me, it's very important to have that type of atmosphere, like in my kitchen where people want to come to work. Like, I mean, I, I'm friends with everybody that I've ever worked with in any industry. And like, you know, I had people follow me here from my, the last job that I had specifically because they've told me like, I come to work to escape. And I've never been told that before. And that's the type of environment that I want to create in my kitchen because I've been in those kitchens where the chef's screaming at me, calling me a fat piece of shit, you know, and, and stuff like that. And like, I can't, I can't have you here. And, you know, it's just, yes, yeah, chef, sorry, chef. And you show up the next day and you keep doing it and you keep learning and learning what to do and then also what not to do. And, you know, I've gone through all these scenarios that we've talked about in the industry. You know, I've been in some of the hardest kitchens that I can imagine in the city. I, I would not trade it in because for me, I, I'm taking it all in and trying to make it better for the people that now um, are my staff or my family is basically like what I see them as. And, and everyone's going to be different. And I'm, I'm also constantly learning and I don't like people when they close themselves off from learning as a chef, we constantly have to be learning. I can get down. I will scrub that dirty baseboard under the fryer. I don't care. Like mm. I am not above anybody in my kitchen. You know, I am the, I'll be the captain. I'll, I'll drive the boat, but it takes everybody to make it float and go the same direction. We all want to go. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh. it's, I think it's, I think it's, it's all important in communication, yes, but it also is communicated through the food, and that's what makes food so good. And that, that is, is Netta, for you, food and beverage, right, is like, it is a language, right? Mm -hmm. So we're speaking a language, and it's the purest language of love, and purest form of <laughs> hospitality is like nurturing another person, and so we need to communicate that that we we lost track of that we started managing oh, pieces of paper yeah we started managing pieces of paper and not leading people and to your point we have to find leaders and if you're just a manager who is trying to keep people below you you're going to struggle and that's why we're not investing the time to train people properly so for you when you're thinking about that now you know now you have a new set of responsibilities now you have to find ways that day one into the fire isn't people's reality. Uh, how are you thinking about that? How are you trying to, to, to practically go about that process and communicate that to the team? I, I understand the, the chaos and the communication. Now let's maybe for these last couple of minutes, Sarah, think about it a little bit too. How are we practically going about that? What does a day look like when somebody walks in for training day one and they go respect like this? I, they got their shit together. What does that look like for you, Netta? I feel like you should come in and you should feel like a guest. Like people expected you to fucking be there is a good place to start. Like no one. I made a reservation somewhere. You should have my name that I'm showing up today at 10 o'clock. Can I get you some water? I always offer when someone came in for an interview, can I get you some water? Hospitality. You are coming into my house. If I'm putting in 80 hours a week and not having sex with my boyfriend to be here, <laughs> then I'm going to treat it like it's my house. So would you like something to drink? I like. Simple. I just mm -hmm. want you to sit down. Let us have a conversation because I, once again, I know what it is to need a job and not want to have to take whatever somebody will offer you, but be in that position. Mm -hmm. So when, for me, it feels like, 
there is definitely, and especially as a black woman coming into this industry, the idea of paying your dues is so rooted in so much racism and misogyny. Mm -hmm. It's such an easy way to just cut people down, cut people out, deny them mentorship, deny them, well, oh, you should know, like you have to constantly prove yourself and qualify yourself. And it's like, nobody trained me to do anything. So what am I supposed to know? Why am I supposed to know all of these things? And I think a lot of this, this is not just our industry, but it's very easy to see how egomaniacal it all is. And that is just the root of so much of it for me. Like when you said the drinks don't matter, they don't to me, because I know what you mean. I'm a vibe curator. That's what my friend Roby says. Bartenders are. We. I Let's am an experience like facilitator. It. Okay. I am here for you to have the best experience you possibly can. But also, don't come in here and act an ass, because I'm willing to go there with you, too. Wherever we need to go is where we're going to go so that most people here can have a good time. But that also has to start behind the bar. You have to be welcoming to your staff so that they can be welcoming to your guests. You hospitality at, at every level has to be a part of this. And, you know, just our, because our I'm getting mission- paid doesn't mean that I don't deserve the same right. hospitality you reserve for the people yep. who come here. Mm-hmm. Our our mission, best served mission statement is to amplify the worth and work of those who feed their community, which is all of us. The work side is a challenge. The worth side is so foundationally difficult because we don't value ourselves enough. We don't value each other enough. We don't value what we bring to the business, to our community. Like, And so we have to really, really work on that. And the fact that we're talking about this, like, you don't have to prove anything to me, right? You got to prove to yourself that you are who you say you are, if it's the food, if it's the drink, whatever that is. And then I think now I'm like, I recognize that I should have been spending all my time proving myself as the business or the leader to the team, not the other way around. Like, like, don't even get me fucking started on like the resumes. I'm like, you know what? I want restaurants to show their resume, not the other way around. Prove to me that you're a place worth working. Do you have a workplace worth working? That's what I want to try and find. That's the future. Thank you, Sophie. We have a banner for that. Workplaces <laughs> worth working. Yes, I call it www.giveashitaboutpeople.com, which yes. is what we need to start to move towards. So, Sarah, for you, same same question. What do we got to do on day one to show people? I love it. Netta, a glass of water. Wow. Mm-hmm. Imagine caring enough to get somebody a glass of water to start their process is going to set them at ease. Sarah, what else can we be thinking about? Let them know that they're a human being. Basically, how do we do do that? I I agree. Like, how do we do that? The the glass of water is a good way. What else are you doing? I want them to know that, you know, I'm at their service. Like we were talking about hospitality. My phone, I tell all my staff, my phone's open 24 seven. I don't care what the problem is. I want them to be able to, you know, come and talk to me about it. Call me at three in the morning. I am there for you. And I mean, I think, like I said, you know, I know what I signed up for in this job and I, and I love it because I, I love my family that's that's here and then I surround myself with and I would honestly do anything for them and and nothing is beyond reach for me to do. Like I will carry all of them on my shoulders if I have to. 
you know, just to get them through whatever they're going through. Because I, I don't want, like I said earlier, like I think you communicate through the food that's, you know, put out where you're working. And I don't, you know, I don't want sadness. I don't want stuff coming out, you know, for trying to make other people happy with our food at the same time. Cause you honestly can't see that with, you know, plating with the service that you get at front of the house, things like that. So, I mean, <laughs> where I'm working I at right now. I even think even deeper at an alchemy level, like those feelings mm-hmm. go into the dish. Yeah, like it, you, 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 feel, you feel people. And, and it's just like it, it, it radiates through everything that we do and that we touch. Even if I'm not sitting here next to you while you eat the food that I cook for you, you will still be able to feel that. And I mean, I, I think right now where I'm at, you know, with the, with Thomas Cuisine and then our, our um, um, partner that we're, we're the guests that we're working for right here um, at the Grand Royale, like they want to make sure that everybody here is protected as well and feels safe. And you rarely find that in companies. And Mm -hmm. I mean, my CEO right now, Thomas Cuisine, she's here today making sure everything's fine. And she has been nothing but like hospitable. And then the owner of this property up in Gladstone, you know, he's living on site to make sure everybody is okay. And, 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 you don't find that a lot. Like you rarely see the owner of the restaurant show up sometimes. And, you know, and when you do, it's just like, they don't even ask your name. It's just like, hi. And then they're gone. And then you hear that they complained about, you know, the way you held your rag or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or your apron was dirty. And it's like, yeah. why couldn't you just come and talk to me? Like I'm a human being. And, and that's the thing that I usually do like immediately. So sorry about that. <laughs> but I Real want them life. to know. It is. It is. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, I just, I want everybody to know that I am at their service and anything that I can do for them, I will do. And I'm never untouchable and or unavailable, even if it's on my day off. Yeah. Respect. That's a a great way to end this. We are actually in the, in the depths of. of I also give everybody who stages for me their tips. I always tip. Oh, stage was a, is a big topic that'll come up again and again. See, the month of April, we're taking this, and, and I'm so grateful to the two of you. This is episode eight of eight of this series of the kind of these hiring process horror stories. Now the whole month of April is going to be focused on the hiring process and talking about not just pieces of paper. This is like a very important thing. A resume, all these pieces of paper, job descriptions. Uh, we just are sitting there managing pieces of paper and not understanding humans. We're focusing on that. You're also, Sarah, talking about something that in the month of May, we're going to be very focused on mental health and talking about, you know, psychological safety, oh, and yeah. meeting people where they are and being able to understand that all of these tropes, like no longer leave your shit at the door. We need to find ways to be able to have open communication, support people in the moment, and then find a way to, yes, you got to do the job. Yet It has to be in a way that we got to do this together, that this smile is part of your uniform bullshit. This stuff has oh to go God. away. Like it has to go away. If Natalie yes. needs to light you up, she's gonna light you up. So like we need to really respect <laughs> people's process. And part of the struggle is it may be authentic, yet we put up a facade. It is always our job to put up a facade to make sure that the guest always has the best experience. In that is some of our greatest strength and our greatest vulnerability. We have to reconcile that, we have to talk about it, and we need to stop blaming each other, come to the table and have some a real conversation and then find solutions. And it's always going to be a human solution. So Sarah, I cannot thank the two of you enough 
for lending so much wisdom to this. We're going to have a lot more to talk about, the three of us and so many others. It's about bringing more voices to the conversation. And that's what we've been all about. So thank you to the two of you for lending your leadership today. It means a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. It's been great. Uh, Love this you is all. Awesome. Nice all right, and everybody for tuning in again. Best Sir Podcast 306, day one into the fire. Once again, we know that this is this is just a symptom. The cause is the communication or the lack thereof and the breakdown. So thank you everyone for tuning in. I hope that all of you find workplaces worth working or are building those because it truly matters. Uh, Netta, Sarah, again, thanks to you. And that is it for this episode. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.